Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast. We are talking about the Defenders. We're talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. getting renewed for another season. We'll also get into the episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from this week. And we're going to have a Defenders Deathmatch. So glad to have you back on the podcast. It's the MCU Exchange Podcast. And it's Mary Poppins, y'all. Welcome back to the podcast. We have the usual crew with you this week. We've got myself and Rhiannon and Adam. And uh, this new week is a little light on news, but we are still have some things to talk about. And we're going to jump right into it. The big news that hit today is that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has hit a fifth season. Uh, ABC has decided to renew the show for next year. Um, I have not seen yet whether that's a full order or not. I'm not sure... Have you guys seen, do we know that info yet, or we just know it's coming back? Just know it's coming back. Hooray. Yay! Now, we had kind of talked ourselves a little bit into being okay if the framework was the way that they ended it all. Are you guys, I mean, you said hooray. It sounds like we're glad that we're going to see some more of the show. If it keeps on the track that it's going right now, I mean, like, I definitely want to see where they go from here. I mean, how they, if they can keep this up, I am excited for it. Absolutely, yeah. Give us uh, give us more of what's happening on right now and not Hive, and you can keep on going for as long as you want. Yeah, I was thinking that um, the show really is the best when it has superpowers, I feel like. Um, like, I, it was really enjoyable when we had... I always like when Quake is doing her thing, and I really enjoyed um, Ada going full power this week. And uh, I enjoyed it when they had sort of the Secret Warriors team for like 10 minutes of last season where they all had powers. And so um, I just think that that's good. Like, I think the show needs superheroes. I think it's been good to have Ghost Rider. And so I think really the big question for me now is who do they give them next season? You know, like what uh, what character, or what property could they throw their way to really juice up season five of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I know I didn't ask ahead of time, but anything interesting to you in there? I, I don't... I See, what I have loved so much, and I've mentioned this before, what I've loved so much about this last pod is that it's not new characters. It's It's been in the lives of the characters we already know, and they've changed, and they've had different powers, and they've been put in perilous situations where we get to see them get out of it but I'm not so anxious that's when I always get anxious when there's a new character in the show because oh god it's another person I have to figure out and what's their backstory and da 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 um I would love another character like Mace that's complex but not too difficult to understand but I don't have anybody specifically in mind that makes me think that it would be kind of cool if they created like um I mean, we've already talked about secret warriors, but if they created a superpowered team of characters we already knew, so if we could get like Deathlock and Ghost Rider and Quake and uh, Yo-Yo, um, I don't know, maybe that James Hellfire guy. I'm not a, a big fan of him, but you know what I'm saying? Like, bring back four or five of these powered characters, or maybe finally tell us where Joey disappeared to. I don't know. You know, like, bring back people we already know that have powers. Uh, I think that could be kind of cool. 
I'd take Mr. Hyde back even on a team like that, you know, that he's kind of like the the one in charge of the team and the brains of the team until they really need his powers and then they, he kind of hulks out like Banner style. But that's just an idea of a place I think they could go that would be a lot of fun. Um, but I definitely, I don't know, I think it, I do think the show is much better when we're seeing some kind of superpowers on screen. Uh, first, Mr. Hyde would be awesome. Uh, second... I'm kind of trying to hatch out this theory where they turn in the superiors head to Modok. I don't know. Maybe. I don't think they'll kill him off. Maybe they will. Who knows? But I think it'd be cool to see Modok. I'm not even sure if that's something Marvel owns the right to. Is it? I could see. I don't know. I guess I don't even know if Marvel owns the rights to Modok. It's weird because actually when they started talking about his head being somewhere and nobody knew where his head was and he was controlling all these bodies... Modoc actually was the first thing that popped in my head too. I don't even know if that fits like the Modoc mythology, but it's something that I was thinking about. So I have no idea. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, Iron Man kind of tried to do something with aim, right? In Iron Man three, except it wasn't anything like how it's supposed to. So I could see it's kind of all of his little other people, <laughs> all of his clones and stuff are the henchmen and stuff. Yeah, that could be really cool. Aim or maybe going into Roxxon a little bit, but like some kind of big corporation that Shield had to sort of take down. I think that could be could be an interesting way to go. I really would rather not see a return of Hydra. I feel like they've killed Hydra enough Absolutely. times, you know. I think I think Hydra has to have a place in Shield. I mean, of some form. But um the one thing that we haven't, since we know nothing about this new season, and who knows, by the time people listen, we might know details. We don't know how it's going to tie into Inhumans. If they're going to try to do something, you know, they could create... If S.H.I.E.L.D. is not running at the same time as Inhumans, they may wait until it's run its eight episodes and then do a later season there could be some event of Inhumans that triggers something that we see in S.H.I.E.L.D. So we could maybe see some of our royal family in S.H.I.E.L.D. or see some Inhumans stuff that comes up carry over. Yeah, that's true. I should also mention, I think we said on the show last week, there are a lot of people who want to see um, an ending at the end of Agent Carter Season 2 that somehow there'd be some sort of like time travel storyline uh, I'm kind of warming to that. Can you imagine, like, after the framework thing, like, it could be kind of fun, actually, to see, like, Coulson with, like, a Tommy gun and a fedora and, like, yeah. doing the whole 1940s, 1950s thing, the whole fish out of water. They kind of have to live without all their gadgets, you know? Like, I that could be enjoyable, I think. I'd be down for that. Well, one way or the other, we're going to be down for something because it is coming back. And it would not surprise me if we're going to get some sort of tease of it next week with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. One of the comments that I saw on Entertainment Weekly was that the uh, the showrunners of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, specifically said they were told to write a season finale for the show. And he basically, uh, I think it was uh, Jed Whedon said... So we wrote a season finale, not a series finale, which to me says that they um, might have something in that script to kind of set us up for next season. It would definitely be kind of par for the course with them. At the end of every pod, they've kind of given us something to latch us on to the next pod. 
at the end of season two, they had Gemma being swallowed up into Maveth. At the end of season three, they had Daisy on the run. So they like to give us a little hint of what's coming. So it wouldn't surprise me if we have some idea of our direction for next season uh, coming up here just in a couple of days. So, All right, I wanted to move to a piece of news we skipped last week. And maybe uh, nobody's complained about it that I can tell, but uh, it was such a busy week last week. We did not talk about Runaways. Uh, so Hulu had their upfronts uh, about, I forget, it's been a week now, 10 days ago. And Hulu shared a little bit of footage from Runaways. Uh, we can't talk much about it because we never got a good look at it. I only saw it like once or twice. Um, Hulu or Marvel or someone has ripped that off of YouTube now. So um, I we don't know where to even show you a link to it anymore. Uh, but there was just a little bit of a teaser for it. And then there was an, the first official image of the team came out. So um, I guess, first of all, Adam, Rhiannon, did you guys see that little teaser? And what did you think of it? I saw it. Um, I thought it was a great, I mean, it didn't give you a whole lot. It basically just showed you that they, how they were setting up what was the first book of the first volume of Runaways. Um, it looks, I mean, it, it looks very much like uh, like the first issue of the comic book. Um, with the, you know, that's the cool thing about it being comics coming to life is like, it really should look like you envisioned it because you've seen pictures of it. You know, Molly looked exactly like Molly should look. Um, I know there's been some complaints about Gert being too skinny and too perfect um where one of her qualities was that she was a little different um so i only saw it a couple of times before it got pulled down but uh i'm excited to see more or to even see like a real version that's not somebody's cell phone camera no i didn't even get a chance to see it by the time i uh i think one dude had it up on twitter and by the time i actually saw the tweet um it was taken down. The picture looks great. The picture looks, I mean, identical to how I kind of imagine the characters. Um, but yeah, I didn't get to see the footage. I do think it's interesting. Um, in a lot of ways, I think Runaways is going to be something unique for the MCU in that um, we have had almost zero like faithful page for page, panel for panel adaptations of Marvel stuff. I mean, the closest we've got is, I guess, Iron Man 3 was somewhat like the extremist storyline of Iron Man. But generally speaking, like, Captain America Civil War is a great movie, but it's nothing like the comic book Civil War. And Age of Ultron was totally just a title rip. I mean, there's nothing at all in the storyline that's similar. And so I think it's going to be really interesting that we have this experience now where we're going to have these characters and this the story that is going to be very faithful i mean based on the footage that we saw there were a lot of shots that looked like they just took the original artwork and they tried to replicate it as faithfully as they could and that's exciting to me it makes sense for me with this property because if you read runaways and if you haven't read it please go read it don't see a show of it the first time i find it almost impossible to believe this show will be better than the comic and that's not to rip on the show. It's just it's such a good comic book. You need to go out there, read at least the you know the first volume of it, the first kind of run of twelve issues. Um, 
but that was it was so good and it was so cinematic in its quality to start with that it seems like Hulu is smart to just play it out the way it played out in the comic books. In a lot of ways, the first volume of the comic exactly matches what would be a great first season of the show. And so I think it's going to be, um, it's, that's going to be really good. Um, do you guys, are either of you runaway fans? Have you guys read runaways? And if so, is there something that you really want to see out of the show? Um, personally, I, I am a big fan of the comics. I haven't read all of them yet, but I've at least read that whole first volume. I I think it's wonderful. I just hope they, uh, and the story in Runaways is so good. I was amazed at the end of each issue, the way it twisted, the way it gave us a new story, the way there weren't huge character introductions after you met the initial cast. Um, and of course, I mean, Old Lace, the dinosaur, we haven't seen Old Lace yet. I, I want to see how they do the dinosaur. But doesn't everybody? I have not read any of the proper Runaways runs. I have two of the two. Vo- I have read the Loners because Starhawk. Um, as I understand, that's a loose spinoff. Um, I do have two of the full sets, but I just haven't read them. I guess I haven't ran or gotten time to actually read them because I keep rereading the Vision and other things. <laughs> But yeah, um, the loners was good. Big fan of Brian K. Vaughn stuff, so I have the utmost faith. Is he attached to the show in any way? I know uh, Saga is absolutely probably one of my favorite comic series of all times. So um, I don't think writer. he's. I don't know if he's officially attached in any way. He um, he's the showrunner is the folks from Gossip Girl. Um, but I don't know if Vaughn's officially involved. You need to read them, Adam, though. You, you, if, especially if you have them sitting there. And for anybody that's on Marvel Unlimited, the series is on Marvel Unlimited. And if you get through two issues and you aren't hooked, I just don't know what to say to you. So uh, Brian K. Vaughn is writing some of the screenplays for the episodes. Oh, cool. At least according to IMDb. Yeah. Which, you know, is not particularly, um, is not, uh, particularly trustworthy, but I think your friend's on here too, Rhiannon. Yeah. Tamara is listed. Her IMDb page says she's working on the first episode at least. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she is not allowed to talk to me about it until after it airs. So (laughs) yeah, right, right. (laughs) That makes sense. But for those, that's Tamara All Becker right. Wilkerson that was on Iron Fist. She was a writer on Iron Fist, and she at least worked on the first episode of Runaways. And she was on your podcast, Super Late yes. and uh, also MC Exchange had some of that stuff I think you typed up yes. for us. So uh, if you're interested in a little behind the scenes of writing, even behind the scenes of writing Iron Fist, uh, you should check out that podcast and you should check out our website. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to a little uh, Defenders news. Uh, there's actually two things that have come out here of some interest. Uh, the first is we have some motion posters, which is something Netflix has done for, I think, most of these shows, if not all of them, uh, which is kind of cool. It's just a slight bit of movement and a little bit of sound. Uh, gets you, lets you know the characters a little bit. 
Also, the uh, costume director, I believe it is, for the show, uh, talked a lot about Sigourney Weaver's look. And I think it's possible she said maybe more than Marvel wanted her to say. Uh, The quote I have is, I think she's clearly a baddie and she's the head of an ancient organization which is grounded in the comics. I hope that her wardrobe reflects that kind of ancientness. I hope I haven't said too much. I hope Marvel doesn't come after me. And certainly here on the site, we immediately took that as a confirmation that Sigourney was going to be the head of the hand and that she might even be some incarnation of the beast, which is kind of this mythical um, character demon type thing that kind of inhabits different bodies and different people. Uh, the beast takes over uh, Daredevil in a recent comic run that was really important and uh, is only defeated by the Iron Fist, interestingly enough, which I think kind of fits the mythos of everything they're saying. So um, what do you think of these posters and the news uh, on Sigourney Weaver? It kind of makes sense with, I think, what we knew. But what are you guys' thoughts? The motion posters, they're, they're really exciting in the sense that all of the characters are on one of the other characters' turf. So you have, like, Iron Fist sitting at Alias Investigations. You have Jessica hanging out in front of Rand Enterprises. You have Luke in front of Josie's. You have, you know, Matt is on the 13th floor of Rand. Um, So, you know, they're really pushing that. On the other hand, I thought Luke looked kind of weird in his. Like, his t-shirt looks too big and back I don't know there's something about them that look weird to me um but still just every little bit of defenders that we get I'm gonna be excited uh is it August yet (laughs) (laughs) no it's not 98 days it's 98 days away but you know who's counting 97 by the time the podcast drops you know I I just hope Iron Fist is Iron Fist you know I guess that's my one big wish for the Defenders. Who cares about everything else? I want Iron Fist to be Iron Fist. As in a better version than what we saw on the show? Yeah. You know, one where he actually makes his chi work. You know, he actually knows how to use his chi. But I get it. He's still growing into his superhero ways. So, soon enough. Iron Fist Season 2, we'll see a full-on Danny Rand Iron Fist. No, they they are definitely hyping this one far more than the others. There's already somebody posted pictures of a of posters up at a train station or something in Japan, I think is where it is. Like there's already st- real life poster stuff going on. Um 
which they normally do, you know, right at, see, the thing about Netflix is it's not like everybody has to watch it the day it comes out. So normally they do their advertisements kind of close to when it releases so that, you know, and then it keeps going so that like, once you see that Iron Fist motion poster in Times Square, you can go watch it right then. It's not like they have to get all the ratings on the first night so that they can sell their ad space. So this seems incredibly early. And I've wondered if it's not to get everybody's attention. You know, like I think we've talked about before, you have all the Jessica Jones fans that have never watched any of the other series. And you have all of these Iron Fist fans, or I hear there are Iron Fist fans that have never watched other series, or maybe your Luke Cage crowd that never watched the others. And I'm wondering if maybe they're trying to get everybody's attention. Like, hey, you're about to see this Daredevil guy and three of his friends, so maybe you should go binge these other shows that you haven't before it comes out. And that's my, I mean, that's my only thought as to why they're pushing so hard this early. No, no, that's one of my thoughts. I have a second thought on it, but you can go on. Well, I was just going to say, if Iron Fist is the only show you've seen and you really liked it, you might just die when you see The Defenders. Because <laughs> The Defenders is going to be so much better. Your like central nervous system will not be able to take itself. It'll just... It, it will induce death to watch the show. Okay. What was your second thought? I keep thought? saying, I know a guy that started with Iron Fist and he was just so confused. My second thought is maybe, uh, maybe like Punisher is coming out in September. So they want to be able to be hyping that too. Yeah. Or, or, you know, maybe it's coming out. I mean, we think realistically like November, December for Punisher, but maybe they're trying to make sure Defenders is solidified so they can start sneaking out some Punisher stuff. Okay. Um, we also should talk about box office. So, uh, obviously Guardians of the Galaxy, just a little movie came out uh, last week and uh, box office was pretty good. I think the final number was something like $146 million in the first weekend. Um, I write a lot of the box office stuff for the site. And so the way I would put all of this into context, cause I know for a lot of people, uh, the difference between 98 million and 146 million and 200 million really doesn't make a whole lot of difference. You know, like for normal people, like most of the people I assume who read, listen to this podcast, those numbers are all astronomical. So what does it mean? Um, generally speaking, this was a pretty good return. Um, it is not as high as the four films that hit a billion dollars, but it's also higher than all of the other movies that didn't hit a billion dollars. So it's the fifth highest opening out of 15 films. Um, I am less bullish on the f hope that it will get to a billion. Uh, I think the North American box office is going to be less than I was predicting earlier this year. Um, it's just, it's not showing the signs of the kind of legs that I think it would need to have for that. Uh, it's fall on Monday and then it's fall Tuesday to Wednesday. We're both pretty significant, even percentage wise compared to other, uh, Marvel films. So we'll just have to see how all that shakes out. Um, generally speaking, the sequels do not have as good of legs as the first ones. And uh, this film, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, 
had a three and a half time multiplier, which means you could take the opening weekend times by three and a half, and that was its final gross. That's incredible. Nobody gets those kinds of numbers. Most Marvel movies do more about somewhere between two and two and a half. So if that's the truth with this film, it's looking at somewhere between 250, 300 uh, million dollars domestic, probably before it's all said and done. So it's a really good opening. I always feel weird talking about this because there's no way to talk about $146 million that's not fantastic. I mean, it was one of the 20 biggest openings, I think, in the history of the box office. So it was incredible. It's doing very well. Um, It's just going to be interesting to see if it squeezes out the billion. And the biggest thing is I am not nearly as confident as I was earlier this year that it was going to outdo Spider-Man Homecoming. So we will see how all that uh, works out. While we're talking about Guardians, uh, also we should mention it appears very likely that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be the uh, May release for 2020. Uh, Marvel has not given us any titles past uh, a July 2019 date for the Spider-Man Homecoming Part 2, whatever we're going to call that. Um the biggest the news that came out on this is Gunn was talking about it and he said um, I love you all and I'll continue being here with you over the next three years as we create volume three now that could be generic he may not mean exactly three years but three years from now would be obviously May 2020 that is the most obvious spot where that film could fit uh, it would be very sensible for it to be there It'd be a very similar timeline between the first volume and and this volume two. And uh, so we think that that is very possibly where that's going to go. All right, let's go ahead and move on to agents of shield and um, talk about yet another awesome episode. I think everyone probably enjoyed it. Uh, We were out of the framework. We finally got to see a little more of what's going on with the superior. Uh, There's just so much stuff. I can't even remember it all. Uh, but let's just do our general way we do this. What was something that really stuck out to you guys from this this season, uh, this episode? Adam, we'll start with you. Oh, man, what stuck out? Uh, the surprise return at the very end was totally badass. Um, when Ada slash Madam Hydra slash Ophelia, uh, we found out that um, she has more powers than just teleporting. Which was also quite badass. She can uh, heal herself and shoot lightning things out of her fingers. So that was exciting. She has the power of every inhuman that they studied. Right, which includes Yo-Yo, right? Because Yo-Yo like, woke up in the framework in a Hydra testing facility. Yeah, so was she there the whole time? I would think that that's one of the powers that, that Ada has at this point, so... I was really impressed by the people who were the Hawkeye viewers that noticed that the uh, the Nightcrawler effect was uh, actually the same effect they had done with Gordon when they you know, transported with him. Uh, at first, I was like, "No, it's not Gordon. That doesn't make any sense." But now that they've connected it that way, it's kind of cool to have that callback uh, to a character that's been dead for two years now. You know. Of course, what stood out to me in the episode was Fitzsimmons. Poor, tortured Fitzsimmons. I mean, just that whole relationship. Um, it was so much fun to watch this episode. 
Yeah. For me, they hung us off the cliff of, oh, this is stupid, and then pulled me back in. Like, there was half a second where I thought that Fitz actually might be like, I'm too evil for, for Simmons. I'll have to just stay with you, evilest murder robot lady. And, like, when he, you know, when he, when he said under his breath, you know, I, I only have place in my heart for her. Yes! I was like, oh, yes. And then the full-on Fatal Attraction psycho show that followed. I mean, I don't think... I did not expect um, Ada, Hydra, Ophelia, whatever, to just She's go Ophelia. totally nuts. Oh, I totally did. I, I from, from when we first... the click, When the clip came out over the weekend... Um, or whenever it came out showing... Oh, I guess it came out like a day before the episode, but... There was the clip of them on the beach and her being like, I love you. And I was just like, oh, this is going to end in fire. This is going to just end because Fitz and Simmons are meant to be together. They have proven that's one thing I love about the relationship is that in the end, they always end up together. And it has to go back there and Ophelia is going to go nuts. And either it's going to be that she's kind of human and just, like, be killed, or, you know, here we have what we have, where essentially she's invincible. I really was, uh, I thought it was interesting. They told us when they got the 10 o'clock time slot that they were going to um, take advantage of being able to be a little looser with certain things. And I felt like we saw that a little early on, and then it sort of disappeared. But I felt like last night there was a couple times where there was just moments that I was not expecting out of this show. Like when Coulson sheared off like that one, um, superiors faces with the shield. And then there's another shot where, um, where Ophelia, like put a bullet through like the chin of one of the shield agents. And it was like, there was like blood splatter, like on the camera almost. And then the scene near the end where, like, you think she's going to have sex with the superior guy and she's, like, ripping his clothes <gasps> off. And yes! then she just starts, like, like killing him. You know, like, it was this weird, like, violent and sexual thing at the same time. And I was like, this cannot be the same show that was, like, you know, when it started, it was kind of really goofy. And I just, I thought it was very interesting tonally that they went to those places that for me was kind of shocking to see come out of this show, you know? Do you think that some of the struggle this season has been them figuring out what to do with that newfound freedom? Um, I just think that there's certain directors that see what they could do with it and others that don't, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Some of it, I look back to the LMD storyline and there was just so much blah. And like, it's just so much like feeling like they were just, you know, doggy paddling to get to the next pod. I don't know. So I I do think that there is a way to shoot action that is visceral enough that you can't get away with the 8 a.m., but you can at 10 p.m. And I think there's some directors that intuitively get that and there's others that don't. And so that's my guess of how that happens. What did you guys think of, um, we got a lot more of, uh, Colson and May. It was actually the first time they've really talked much since like back in December on the show. 
Um, what do you think of that dynamic as they continue to play with kind of the possibilities of that relationship? I love it. I, I, I thought it was fun. Um, you know, I, I don't typically love the will they, won't they game that every single show goes through for everything. But Coulson's, Coulson's schoolboy nervousness about talking to May about it and the fact that it was easier to say that she tried to kill him than it was. Um, I... I I thought it was fun, and I can't wait to see how she reacts when she learns the truth. Absolutely. Everyone likes Felinda, right? I totally, like, just her coming back, I totally spaced off the fact that she hasn't been around most of the season. You know, that she's saying all this stuff. I'm like, oh, duh. <laughs> you know, it's just the thing that she's been other robots and stuff and not actually her. It's, what, the, quite early in the season, you know? It served as a fabulous way, though, to remind me about the stuff early in the season when I really wasn't enjoying the show, and then I didn't remember. Or, you know, like, through the whole LMD storyline, it was really nice for Phil, you know, it was a nice way for the writers to give us, like, oh, hey, yeah, so just to catch you up, we did this, we did this, this person died, we blew up this, blah, 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 like, without it being too incredibly obvious. So I thought that was pretty slick. Yeah, that has to be hard. I was talking to a friend the other day about like teachers and that a lot of times teachers struggle to understand why their students can't remember material because when you prepare material and you um, teach material, you retain like a significantly larger portion than if you just hear it as like a student. And that has to be hard as writers. Like I would assume that they spent so much time on every one of these scripts that there's all kinds of scenes and moments that they remember very like strongly because they spent so much time working the dialogue that for us was three minutes on the screen in December and we don't remember it, but it's in their mind much more firmly than it is in ours and trying to remember that and not overestimate what the audience remembers has to be a hard part of being a screenwriter on a show like this. Definitely. And they have, um, the script coordinator keeps a lot of that straight for them because you'll have, I mean, Jed, obviously he oversees everything and he's probably the last one to touch every script, but they also have a script coordinator on each series that keeps track of, Oh, you know, um, you know, maze and LMD now, you know, and you know, to keep track of, Stuff like that so that the writer's room can just work on hitting plot points and um, moving the story forward. But they have they have they have like a person that takes care of a lot of that for them. So we saw Yo-Yo head back into or not back, but for her the first time into uh, the framework. Are you glad that we're going to see a little more of that in the finale or... Was that something you think they should have just kind of let be? I'll, I'm happy to go back into the framework. I I enjoyed the framework. I'm wondering if Yo-Yo will ever want to leave or if, if she manages to get out of those binds, which I assume she will, if she just gets together with Mac and they decide to live happily ever after with hope. And the raging, pillaging villagers <laughs> who are sacking all of society. <laughs> See, I'm on the other side of that. It's like, oh man, now we're back in the framework and it's what well, we have one episode left so they're going to have to resolve it pretty quick unless 
that's what carries on into next season. You know, I mean, is she just going to automatically find him and hop out, you know, or is she going to stay there or, or what's going on? You know, I was, I guess I'm not going to mind it. Um, but I'm not sure if that's the best way to end the season on to have both that angle going on with, you know, Ghost Rider's return with trying to kill an inhuman that has uh, possibly dozens of different powers, if not hundreds, you know? And the superior, yeah. In the superior. What the heck? What's going on? No, yeah, I think it's it's a lot. I kind of like it. Um, I always enjoyed, um, when I watched Lost, I always enjoyed that they had so much going on. Because I think it's 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 a, a nice disorienting feeling as far as if you have just kind of one storyline, it can be easy that you're playing games trying to guess what's happening next. But when they throw a lot at you at once, it keeps your mind off balance so you can't be predicting the next scene. But I agree that it is going to be hard to bring it all into like one coherent ending at the end of this. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, I thought it was um, a testament to how good the framework was. That when they jumped out and Yo-Yo asked Daisy, you know, did you get Mac out? I actually had forgotten for like two episodes that her and Mac had like a relationship. Like it had just slipped my mind. And so when they jumped out of the framework and Yo-Yo was concerned about Mac, that was the first time that I fully processed that Mac's decision was going to hit her so hard. And that's just because I cared so much about what was happening in the framework. I just forgot about what was happening, you know, in the real world. So, all right. So we're going to move into our main discussion and uh, the main discussion this week. um, We'll just shoot straight with you. Sometimes there are things that are obviously the thing that we need to discuss for our main discussion. And sometimes Marvel gets us a week of absolutely zero news because they want us to be going to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 like 18 times. And this week was a really slow news week, and there was not an obvious main discussion. So we were throwing down some ideas of what could be fun to talk about on the podcast, and what we came up with was very different. It's very goofy. Uh, we hope you guys are going to enjoy it with us. But we have decided to uh, to kind of have a Defenders Deathmatch. We want to uh, talk through, we'll argue through uh, which of the defenders would beat other of the defenders in a fight. Uh, We still have to figure out the parameters of that as we speak. So um, I've got uh, eight different defenders heroes listed here and I have them um, put, uh, I've seeded them based on my perception of their strength. Before we start, Adam, Rhiannon, uh, where are these guys fighting? Like, is there a, are there ground rules about where the fights are happening or uh, anything like that? I think they have to be on the street. It's the defenders. They're just like on a vacant street. In New I was one. I was wondering though, should it be a hallway? Oh. That they meet in a hallway in a random rundown apartment building somewhere in New York. I do like the street a little better, like an alley. I think that would be a better fight than uh, if they're in a, in a hallway. But Ah, uh, but I feel like it has to be a hallway now that you've thrown <laughs> that out. It does kind of, doesn't it? Oh, mm. There's a lot of variables in a hallway, though, when we're looking at our defenders. like How big of a hallway? Where is the hallway? How big? Do the doors open? Can they pop in? Can they... 
can the, are the lights can they knock out the lights um oh yeah like uh chain style like with daredevil yeah, yeah what were you gonna say yeah. adam no but well yeah but then on the street you're thinking i mean there's dumpsters there's cars there's car doors there's vagrants there's all sorts of stuff you know luke well, could the... just pick a vagrant up and <laughs> use them as like a, a billy club i specifically said a vacant street but <laughs> just a completely empty street <laughs> in new york city <laughs> well actually re-watching some of those shows it is amazing how often the streets are empty like i was watching daredevil season one and there's that scene where karen gets like jumped and Foggy saves her. And I was like, where in New York is there a street where at 8 o'clock at night there's absolutely no one there? Like, I guess it, those places exist, but really? Yeah, I mean, it really, yeah. I mean, like, I, I wandered around Hell's Kitchen on Sunday morning because I was meeting a friend. And, uh, like, you know, there's streets that... It's, it's emptier than I would expect to be a few blocks from Times Square. Which, for those that don't know, Hell's Kitchen is a few blocks from Times Square. <laughs> but let's say a hallway. We'll do. We'll do a hallway. Okay, we'll fight. do a hallway. And hallway. Um, you know, those rules can change as you want to. Uh, let's just get into it. Uh, our first seed. I put Daredevil in the first seed. We could argue about seeding, but we don't have time for it. And uh, our eighth seed. I have uh, Trish on drugs. As you all remember, Trish Walker uh, took some of Nuke's uh, drugs and kind of became a superhero for about 20 seconds in Jessica Jones. So that's our first fight. What do you guys think? Do we have an obvious winner? Daredevil. Daredevil. This I would mean, be a very short episode if that's all we say. <laughs> do you have any reasons No, no, no. I mean, so, so what would Trish's, I mean, what advantages would she have? I mean, because she was pretty much brute strength on those drugs. Yep. But it was still martial arts in a way that Daredevil is trained in martial arts. Because, like, she was taking, um, oh, what was the specific type of martial arts she was doing? I don't remember. It, but she was doing, like, a specific type that was to, for, you know, self-defense related. Um, and, and, I mean, Matt knows his martial arts. He'd be able to anticipate her moves. Because on drugs, it's not that she's, like, a skilled fighter. Right, it's she wasn't a skilled tactician tech, either. Yeah. Like, she wasn't thinking particularly well when she was in that situation. I don't feel like. Yeah, so he'd be able to hear her. Th I mean, he'd be able to hear her coming from a mile away, and and I bet her heartbeat would start to like speed up every time she was about to attack. Right. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree. I had been thinking though as we watched this, have we ever seen Matt fight someone with superhuman strength? All of his opponents have been very human, haven't they? Oh, well, I mean, uh, Fisk. Yo, but Fisk is not, I mean, Fisk is, is just a fat guy, right? Like, I, don't, I mean, he's not like, um, I don't know, he doesn't have any superpower, right? Not officially, I don't think. But, I mean, they played him like he, like he was yeah. a little bit stronger than a normal big fat guy. Yeah, like, right. You know, there's a little bit more to it. Yeah, is Trish actually super powered? Powered? Like, you know how? I mean, not Luke Cage. You know, I don't know. I Daredevil. I mean, the, the, this fight's not even going out of the first round. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm basically remembering Trish as like May on epinephrine in this past Agents of Shield. Yeah, like absolutely. it was kind of the same deal. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, we talked about that. She just started martial arts, right? When we saw her. Yeah, that's right. All right, so that's easy. Daredevil, on to the next round. All right, the next, the second uh, fight we have is uh, two characters that fall in love in the comic books. Uh, we have Iron Fist against Misty Knight. And this is going to be Misty Knight from the MCU, the last we saw her. Right. So there's no bionic no arm yet. bionic arm. Does she have a gun? Yes, I think she should have a gun. But he can deflect bullets with his fist, right? If he can get it to work. <laughs> Are you suggesting that Iron Fist might have performance anxiety around Misty Knight? He might. He, he could. That could be her real superpower. Yeah, I mean, as I thought about this, I was like, am I... I mean, if it was like comic book Iron Fist, this is over so fast. But this is MCU Danny Fist. And so... You know, I don't know. He's going to have flashbacks to his mom dying in a plane, and he's going to start crying, and then it's going to get really awkward. Like, And then she's just going to shoot him. Does, does Misty Knight win this fight? Like, in the MCU, seriously, would Misty Knight just be like, you're a mess, and just drop him with a couple of bullets? I think Misty could win this fight. I mean, I don't think it's a given, but I think in the right circumstances, when Danny's being all... You know, oh, hello, Miss Police Officer. I am all innocent and trusting that she catches him off guard and for some reason wins the fight. He did get Harold Meacham hit him over the head with a piece (laughs) of wood, right? Like, that did happen. All right, let's take a vote on this one. Adam, Misty, or Iron Fist? This pains me, man. So we're going to MCU. If we go the MCU route, what we've seen... So far in the series, I, I will have to go with Misty Knight. All right. Yeah, I'll go with Misty. I'll go with Misty. <laughs> I will do it, too. It's their first upset. I really wasn't <laughs> thinking this when I put this together. But, yeah, M- Misty would. He would just be crying in the corner. All right, moving on. Three seed versus six seed. Uh, this one's an unfortunate matchup, actually. Luke Cage versus Punisher. It's really not a great matchup for Punisher, right? Uh, yeah, not poor at all. Punisher, man. He should have gone further in his conference tournament and gotten a better seed. Because, I mean, let me ask this. Do you think Frank Castle, from what we've seen of him in the MCU, is smart enough to figure out Luke Cage's deal in time to actually do anything about it? Or would he just keep sinking bullets into him until Luke came up and smashed his guns and flicked him in the forehead. I think if Frank had time to study him as an opponent, Frank would figure it out and go get a Judas bullet and, you know, be very strategic about it. I still think Luke would survive. Um, I think in our situation where they're meeting in a hallway and the heat of something or just randomly meeting in a hallway to take on each other, you know, without Frank having time to study and acquire Judas bullets or whatever, I think if they just meet in a hallway, Luke's going to win. So does Frank have enough money to buy Judas bullets? Like, this is something I'm always confused. That's true, too. Yeah, I'm always are- confused with him. Like, I he's a mercenary, but, like, where where does he get the money for all this junk? You know, like, ammo is not particularly cheap, I don't think. Is this ever, like, 
Adam, do you know in the comic books, like, do we ever have any idea of how Punisher can afford to do the stuff that he does? I have no idea. I would guess um, he takes it, probably. He takes it from <laughs> bad guys. The bad guys right. he slaughters. He just pillages their stuff. I would guess that might actually be part of it. You know, I mean, we saw at the end of uh, Daredevil Season 2, the blacksmith's conveniently located secret room of toys, you know? Um, yeah. So kind of maybe he finds himself in that scenario quite often. I mean, there's enough guns in there to last them probably through Punisher Season 1 at least, you know? So maybe at the end of Season 1 he finds another... Uh, surplus store run by some bad guy or a uh, a pawn shop run by a real sleaze ball right like <laughs> you know that he plundered every bit of gun out of that, yeah. that that pawn shop in that first season but still bulletproof man is not much good for punisher i don't think luke cage on this one yeah i think so all right and then uh our four or five um Matchup is two women. We have Jessica Jones and Colleen Wing, which to me is interesting because Jessica Jessica can you know bleed. She's not like Luke, and so Colleen and her sword would be a date. But Jessica is a lot stronger. I don't know. What do you, what are you thinking, Adam? You know, I I'm leaning towards Colleen on this one. You know, she beat the shit out of that one guy. Um. I don't even know who it was when I, when she was walking to the cage, you know, playing uh, what was going on in the background. Run the jewels, uh, blockbuster night part one, that was awesome. Uh, I think I'd have to go with Colleen if it's in a hallway, you know. I mean, Jessica's kind of like the she's kind of like the one that uh, would like jump and stuff and do crazy stuff. So I think I have to go with Colleen on this one. She's just uh, hard nosed, gritty, kick asser. She's grittier, is that it? Grit, yeah, she has she has She's way grit. more grit. <laughs> Rhiannon? I mean, I, I, I think it would definitely be a tough battle. They would be well-matched, but in completely different battling styles. So the hallway would be the important part for this. I agree with Adam on that. Like, unless Jessica, like, punches her way to another floor or something outrageous like that like punches through a wall to you know rips off doors to throw them at her i mean there's some other stuff that jessica could pull in for this fight um and jessica wouldn't want to hurt her and colleen wouldn't give a shit i mean if there's a reason that they're going up against each other i think colleen would probably be more willing to go at jessica than jessica would be willing to go at colleen um God, this one's tough. See, I think Jessica would be... I think the way she responds to Danny in the trailers might be the way she would respond to Colleen. Like, she would see her with her sword and be like, what is your problem? What kind of cosplay convention are you coming from? You know, just like very much dislike her whole thing. And I, I, I don't know. I think the brute strength's important here. You know, like, as long as she can avoid not getting her head chopped off, you know, if she gets one slice but then gets in one punch, I think Colleen's down for the count. So, I, 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 let's, we'll, we'll take votes. Adam, what do you think? I'm going to go with Colleen. All right. Rhiannon? 
I'm gonna go with Jessica. She's gonna pull a door off and use it, like, you know, to beat Jessica over the head out of katana range. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Jessica as well. I think she does. So I, I think Jessica moves on. So uh, at this point, we've got Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica, and Misty Knight. So that brings us to our second round semifinal be Daredevil and Misty Knight. I think. Um, I, I don't. I don't think Misty has too much chance here with Matt. No. Yeah, not a chance. Yeah. Okay, and we've decided Daredevil. <laughs> moving on to the final. All right, now this Sorry. one, I think, could be an interesting debate. I feel like we kind of had the answer to this already, though. Luke Cage or Jessica Jones? Oh, it's got to be Luke, right? I mean, my take on it is I feel like we saw this fight in Jessica Jones season one. Yes, but o- we saw that fight with Luke wanting to defeat her. I mean, I guess I guess we're assuming this is some alternate universe where Kilgrave has everybody pitted against each other and the, and they're not going to. I wasn't assuming that, but I am now. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> the rules that we've always been operating in. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we saw that the only way that Jessica stopped him was basically, I mean, like he kind of like cracked for a minute and showed her a way to defeat him. I guess the flip side is she knows how to defeat him. But if they're just sitting in a hallway, there's probably not a shotgun there, right? Yeah. But does she already have the door that she used to knock out Colleen? <laughs> she can yeah, she grab another door. I don't know if no doors matter to him though. He had an entire building dropped on top oh, to him of him with true. a grenade launcher, right? Yeah, I think Luke comes out on top of this one. I think so too. You good with that, Adam? Yep. Alright, so this brings up a fascinating finale. Luke Cage versus Daredevil. Who walks away the winner? Alright, so we've got what is Luke's athleticism? I mean, he's he's not a trained fighter. He has what some prison brawls. Yeah, basically, yeah, that that whole prison boxing ring kind of thing. So he doesn't have much training under his belt. So he's going with brute strength, and the fact that Daredevil doesn't really have a way to impact him. Yeah, I mean, this brings up a classic problem I have with Luke Cage as a comic book character and a TV character. If somebody punches you really hard, it really doesn't matter if your skin is unbreakable or if you even have a strong skeleton because your brain is still going to bounce around inside of your skull, right? Like, the problem with concussion is what happens inside the head. And we got a little bit of that with the shotgun blast with Jessica, right? Whereas... Matt, I mean, if we're in the hallway, he can knock out the lights and have an advantage. Wouldn't lay a bad punch twice. Like, he would notice, maybe? I don't know. I feel like Matt would use he would use the environment. Like, he would find things. Like a steam like, vent? Yeah, or I could see him actually. I could see Murdoch figuring out that he had to electrocute him. You know, like, I could see him, like, pulling out an electrical cable and, like, stick it into Luke's ear. Which is exactly, actually, that needs to happen on a Netflix show. At some point, <laughs> this is my biggest problem with Luke Cage as a show. Somebody needs to poison the guy or drown the guy or electrocute him or, like, someone has to be smart enough to try this someday because this is obviously the only way to stop him. And yet, you know, Cottonmouth and Mariah and all these people are always coming in with bullets. Somebody would have to be smart enough. And I think maybe Matt would start 
Okay, so would his... All right, I'm, I'm going on now. Would Matt have enough super sense? Like, would he be able to tell, like, because of pressure in the air around his head or because of, like, the different warmths of, like, different t- tissues or something? Would Matt just, like, intuitively know where the soft spots or the spots where the skin was less thick are on Luke Cage, you know, or, like, where there's entry points to where he could get into something that hurts him? Does any of that make any sense, or have I gone yeah. a total weird comic? I mean, I mean, he doesn't have like full on Karnak like stuff, and I mean, so we're assuming he doesn't already know Luke and know his vulnerabilities, maybe. Right. Yeah, I think we have him as they are right now before Defenders. Can can Matt hear Luke's heartbeat through the unbreakable skin? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Hmm. See, I, Daredevil's. Uh, He's going to be doing all sorts of stuff, but, I mean, Luke could just stand there and take all the punches and stuff. Um, this is a tough one. You know, I I don't think Daredevil, I, I don't think he'd get to the point, you know, I think he'd get too tired to think that he would have to electrocute him or something like that, you know? I mean, he got, I mean, look back at the, the Kingpin and Daredevil fight at the end of season one you know i mean he they well they're both getting pretty worn down you know and kingpin's just a pretty regular dude with some daddy issues you know so i don't know but they were just in an alley on the street they didn't have steam pipes and water pipes (laughs) and electrical outlets what i mean how i mean is a steam gonna really affect luke you know i don't I That's mean, interesting. Does does Luke's skin burn? I wouldn't think so. It actually this plot twist, the steam has just enough um what do you call it? Acid to turn <laughs> Luke's cage back to normal. <laughs> or or the shellfish organisms that are in his skin the, yeah. are like, ooh, steam, like the ocean. <laughs> this one's hard. Um It is. I mean I, I'm I'm always pulling for Matt, so I, I, I feel like Matt could find a way to survive, but I could easily see Luke winning. Yeah, I think the thing about it is, I think about like the uh, the whole rope-a-dope strategy that Luke uses with um, Diamondback at the end of that show, and Matt is just the worst guy to try to rope-a-dope because he just doesn't ever give up. You know, like, I could see it being a fight that would last 45 minutes because Matt would just keep like bringing himself forward for more punishment. So I don't know. I think it goes on long enough. I think it goes long, long enough that Matt figures something out that Matt kind of does his intake of the sounds and the smells and the stuff that's going on with Luke to figure out where a spot is. And it does sound kind of Karnacky, but that he finds the weakness, but all right, we'll, we'll do a vote. Adam, Luke Cage or daredevil. I got to go with Luke. I'm going to say Daredevil. I'm going to say he knocks out the lights or something, and it, and it gives him an advantage, and Daredevil wins. I'm going with Daredevil, too, which I think is completely a sentimental choice. I and know. I am anticipating our readers, or readers, our listeners. It's a podcast. It's not, uh, it's not a website. <laughs> um, I anticipate the podcast listeners to tell us that we're a bunch of sentimental fools. But um, that's going to be our winner for tonight, Daredevil, just because he doesn't give up. 
But tell us what you guys think. Share your thoughts uh, in comments uh, on the website or on Facebook or on the podcast or uh, not on the podcast, on Twitter, all those places. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on who would win between these guys. Uh, this is one version of the fight. Um, if you want to send us something, tell us who you would think if all eight of them were thrown into a ring at once, who would win? Because I think Luke Cage Ooh. definitely wins that one, just because there's yeah. too much chaos. But yeah. uh, anyways, go ahead and share your thoughts on that. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, if you guys did like it, we could do this with other characters at some other boring week coming up when there's not too much news to talk about. Um, let me go ahead and jump to our mailbag. And we will be done with this episode. Uh, not as much mail today. Um, I know for those of you that listen on YouTube, um, I know last week the podcast did not get onto YouTube. I'm sorry for that. I don't. Uh, we actually, neither of the three of us do that. It's someone else on the site. And uh, I think they just were slammed this week and weren't able to put that out. Uh, we're sorry that we can't get that to you with any regularity. If you... Um, well, not with any rate. We're sorry that we can't get that out as reliably as we do the audio. If you love this podcast and you're listening right now, um, definitely subscribe to us on iTunes. We work very hard to make sure the audio version hits the web at the same time every week so that it's always available for you for your Friday AM commute. So uh, definitely um, go to your favorite podcasting app and uh, sign up for this. You can also download it via SoundCloud uh, if you don't want to use one of those those apps. So. Uh, here's the mail for this week. Um, we've gotten to where Love Waffle and Chris and Average Gamer and a few other people have an awesome conversation every week. It's like the podcast after the podcast. So thanks, guys, for all your discussion. We appreciate it. I like reading it. I obviously cannot uh, do it full justice here on the podcast. But um, this week, Love Waffle was just talking about how he didn't totally love Ego as a villain. Um, just talked a little bit about how Ego really is only a villain for the third act of the movie and not really the first two, and that maybe felt a little sudden. Uh, I can understand that. Um, and so, yeah, they had a good conversation about that. Um, Chris had mentioned that he liked my idea of Inhumans having some uh, costumes that in indicate sort of social class and the struggle there, uh, but also said that Scott Buck kind of underplayed the social cast issues in Iron Fist, so we can't really trust that he'll do it right on Inhumans, and that's fair enough as well. Um, I'm going to take a pause real quick. Uh, just a soapbox that I've been on this week. I've heard a lot of people rip on the Inhumans stuff, and we kind of did too, and I get that. But there's a lot of people that fuss about Inhumans that I don't think understand Inhumans. I just hear a lot of comments that strike me as someone who's never read an Inhumans comic picking on it, and they're picking on the wrong things. So, anyway, I'll let that be. I was just getting grumpy again. Uh, Mark uh, t came into the website, uh, talked about comparing Mamu and Ego, and how they were both sort of um, almost like they both were from the Cancerverse and trying to sort of destroy all life. And we talked about those similarities last week. Um, Adam, this is a question you can help us with. Fred was asking on the website, uh, the Sovereign in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Is there an alien race called the Sovereign in the comics, or is that a new creation of James Gunn? That, um, that's a question. Um, I can't remember if they're the Sovereign or there's something else. I want to say there's something else. Um, but I mean, it's the same basis. They're a 
genetically modified um, what do you want to call it race species they're supposed to be the uh, perfect thing I guess you can say uh, it started off with Adam and Aisha both I'm trying to remember what the what the darn things called but I'm totally drawn a blank. I don't think it's the sovereign at all. I can't remember what it is. My Googling tells me the Enclave was like this group that helped that create is, them. That is what it is. So yeah. They made him and her who turned out to be Adam Warlock and um Aisha or Kismet. Yeah, I think that Gunn did create the sovereign though, because from what I can tell the Enclave has some human doctors like on it there's like earth-based people and so i think the sovereign was his way to sort of create a um to create an otherworldly aspect to it instead of having to bring in uh, human characters so um also a comment from Fanamir, who basically just said that he did not like the way they changed ego from the comics um just felt like he was maybe a little too evil compared to the ego that we have in the comic books uh, and i can i can totally get that all right, uh, I think that does it for us this week, guys. Uh, go ahead, and we will do our usual deal. Let people know about uh, where they can find you on Twitter and other things you might be involved in. You can find me on Twitter as Shot of Patron. Uh, if you want to hear that Tamara Becker Wilkerson interview, it's a little old now, but it was right after Iron Fist. It's at superlatees.com. Just go back a few, and you'll find it there. At Adam Barnhart on Twitter and the Instagram. You know, we always talk about good stuff on Twitter and get into uh, some good discussions. So follow follow us all. Especially Caleb, because he needs some followers. <laughs> I, I do. No one follows me. I do, there, there's times where I look at our listenership, um, our, like our numbers on who's listening, and the podcast has been growing pretty well. And then I look at like my Twitter followers and I look at the amount of reviews we have on iTunes and I'm like, nobody listens to us at all. Like these must all be robots. So, um, but that's okay. I don't really like Twitter. I, I also, um, for a long time I wasn't, uh, I didn't follow Adam on, on Twitter. I just found Adam on Facebook for the first time the other day. So I am <laughs> slowly actually becoming digital friends with Adam. Just it's, it takes, it takes a lot of effort. <laughs> Well, one day you'll also be connected with him on LinkedIn, like I am. Are we connected? <laughs> no. <laughs> nice. We endorse each other for everything. <laughs> um, if you enjoy this, I'm at Caleb A. Borchers. If you do want to follow me, um, C-A-L-E-B-A-B-O-R-C-H-E-R-S. Uh, I'd love for you to follow me there. Uh, if you want to communicate with the show, if you want to weigh in on what you thought about this week's episode or things you want us to talk about in the future, please do so on our website, mcuexchange.com, and just comment on the post uh, that we'll put tomorrow up tomorrow with this podcast. You can go to SoundCloud and leave comments there. You can go to our Facebook or Twitter um, posts for the podcast and leave some info there. I don't always check the Facebook. I just realized I didn't check it for last week. Uh, hashtag MCUXPod, M-C-U-E-X-P-O-D is the best way if uh, you're on Twitter to definitely communicate with the show. I try to check that every week. If you like our show, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. That really helps us get out to other people. Um, there are magical 
things that iTunes does to figure out what podcasts are liked and not liked. And so giving us uh, reviews on uh, the Apple website is very helpful or on your iTunes app. Um, finally, if this does make it to YouTube, as many of them have, uh, like us on YouTube and leave comments on YouTube. That's another way to get a hold of us as well. Uh, all of this is part of mcuexchange.com. We think we're your best place to go for the latest in news and speculation and reviews and all that kind of stuff. We love Marvel. We know you do too. And uh, we work really hard to make sure that all the biggest news gets out to you as fast as humanly possible. Uh, we're pretty proud of our record the last couple of months as far as hit, having stuff hit the internet for some of the bigger sites too because uh, we're just working really hard at it. So. We appreciate all you guys' support. Please check out the website. Please subscribe to the podcast. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye.